Well, hello. How are you doing? It's been a great morning. Love that new song, Simon. Love that. Christ in me. Great. Beautiful, beautiful song. Really, really lovely. If you've got a Bible, um, could you turn to Luke 24? I've been praying an awful lot. I had a sermon prepared. And Helen will... Helen's pulls her hair out, uh, you know, over me, because I, I just felt it wasn't right. So I spent ages preparing this sermon. And then I felt God wanted to speak through this passage that I'm going to talk about um, in just a few moments. Luke 24, if you can turn to it. And I believe that God wants to draw near to us. Don't, none, none of you disqualify yourself. Jesus, risen from the dead, he wants to draw near to you today and do a deep work in some of us. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will just be moving, guiding me, touching you as I speak. So I pray that, Holy Spirit, I pray as I talk from your words, that you would be moving through me and this congregation, all of us, you'll be touching us this morning. Lord, we love your presence. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this message that you, are, you died and you rose again. So, Lord, we're not speaking into the air and uh, I'm not talking of a, an idea of a loving person. I'm talking about the reality of a loving God who is alive. We're not talking about imitating someone and living good lives. We're talking about being in relationship with someone and living the best life because we know you and having eternal life. And I pray, you, Lord, this morning, Holy Spirit, of the risen Jesus, you'll be moving amongst us. Amen. So if you've turned to Luke 24, um, it's not going to come up behind me this morning, but that, that's okay, we'll be okay. If you haven't got a Bible, it doesn't really matter. You, you, I'll tell you the story as we go along. I'll, I'll begin by just recommending a book, um, which I could have quoted the whole thing, really, but I won't. It's called The Reason for God. Has anybody read that book? Raise your hand if you have read that book. Some of you, yeah, Okay. More of us should have read this book because it is a great book. Many people are asking questions, aren't they, about God. Many people are... Everybody. When you, when you get close enough to people, they, they have questions. And actually, most people want to talk. They just feel a little bit worried, a little bit scared about talking and opening up. But actually, when you get close to them, they actually do have questions and do want to talk. And uh, this book is really, really well written if you want to be able to relate to people in our culture. So let me just read you some of the um, headings of this book. There can't be just one true religion. Many people would be saying that, wouldn't they? How could a God, a good God anyway, allow suffering? Christianity is a straitjacket. In other words, it's, it ruins your life. The church is responsible for so much injustice. Obviously, he's refuting these things. He's not just going to say, go on to say that's true. He's going to refute those things. How can a loving God send people to hell? Science has disproved Christianity. You can't take the Bible literally. The problem of sin. The reality, I've some other ones there, but the, and the reality of the resurrection. So these are great headings, aren't they? 
questions your friends will have, your family members will have. And this book, he really, he speaks in such a great way. You think, hey, get some good ideas there on how you can talk to your friends about these really difficult sub-issues. This morning, I'm going to be talking about the title of my, my preach, as it were, it's called The Road. And we're looking at The Road to Emmaus. So I'm going to read you the whole story and uh, then I'm going to go into and explain some things about it. It sounds a bit boomy out there. Does that sound okay? That, that, that sounds okay? Right, fine. Okay, let me just start, start then from... We'll just read the whole of chapter 24 of the Gospel of Luke. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And by the way, it's worth knowing that the, the stone probably weighed the same as a small car. Okay? A small car. You know what a small car is? A micra. Something like that. Okay? Maybe a, maybe a, a, a small beetle. Something like that. Okay? The stone was rolled away. So we're not talking about like a pebble. A stone. This is a rock. Okay? Um, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes with, that gleamed like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? How he told, how, sorry, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. How slow we are to learn sometimes. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven. Remember at this point, maybe you don't know, but Judas, one of the, one of the twelve disciples, is, 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 is dead. He's betrayed Jesus, or he's probably not dead at this point, but he, he is now no longer part of them. So there's 11 left. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, uh, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb, bending over, he saw the strips of linen laying by themselves and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. What has happened? Now that same day, two men, and this is the main story I want to look at this morning, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, so the road to Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walk talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast or sad. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. 
powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. So you can hear the the note of doubt there, the note of disillusionment, the the note of disappointment. We had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but couldn't find, didn't find the body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Jesus they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So basically, this, they don't recognise who this man is as they walk along with him, but he gives them a Bible study. He opens up the Bible, the Old Testament, and says, look, the whole of the Old Testament points to the fact that this saviour that was going to come was going to die and suffer at the hands of sinful men. Could you not see that? Do you not see that throughout the whole sacrificial system when they sacrificed the lamb, that that was a picture of Jesus? Did you not see it when Isaac was going to sacrifice his son on the mountain? Do you not see that then God provided a ram, a substitute for him? Do you you not see that? I'm not sure of all that Jesus said, but something like that. He went through the Old Testament, maybe brought out some stories, and said, look, it's all about Jesus. Obviously, they don't recognise him at that point. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is nearly evening, the day is almost over, so he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, like we did this morning, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him. Somehow, by the work of the Spirit, their eyes were opened. Somehow their eyes, up to that point, they couldn't see Jesus. Many of us have been in that condition where we couldn't see Jesus. He's right there. It's obvious there's a God. Creation shouts it. Historical events speak of it. The resurrection proves it. Beyond, I mean, you you can look into the evidence if you like. And all these things speak of this Jesus. The billions of people, millions, and now a billion people around the world who claim to know Jesus... Yet, we don't see him. And it takes a work of his spirit to open our eyes to see him. So their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So there's one road. 
the road to Emmaus. Now they're going to take another road. They've met the resurrected Jesus. Their hopes have been restored. Suddenly, they're no longer disillusioned, disappointed. They're no longer defeated. Now, they've seen Jesus is risen. And it changes everything. He is not a liar after all. He's not defeated. He's victorious. He died for sin and he rose again. It's wonderful. So suddenly they're taking another road back to Jerusalem. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke bread. The resurrection. I'm talking about two roads this morning. I'm talking about the road to Emmaus and the road to Jerusalem. The road to Emmaus is one of disillusionment, disappointment. It's the we had hoped road. It's the road where we thought something was going to happen. We believed this Jesus was going to do something. He was going to act in a certain way. We had it all planned. We knew what he was going to do. It says we had hoped he was the one who was going to deliver Israel. In other words, in their minds, they had a a view of what Jesus was going to do. This is what Jesus is going to do. He is going to defeat the Romans. He's going to deliver the people of Israel. He's going to restore their kingdom. And they're going to be a victorious nation again, just like they were under David and Solomon. That's their vision. And it's a very small vision. They wanted Jesus to restore a small part of the earth. And that's what they thought he was there to do. So they were disillusioned. We had hoped this is what he was going to do. That's the road to Emmaus. They were disillusioned, disappointed. That is what the road to Emmaus is. It's the road where you're sad, their faces were downcast, their hearts were, their faces were a reflection of their heart. They were downcast, disappointed, disillusioned. They had hoped God was going to do a certain thing and he hadn't done it. What they say in verses 20 and 21 basically is that our hope, Jesus, has been killed. He's been killed. Our champion has been killed. Our hope is dead. They've been hanging their hopes on Jesus and now he's dead. That's the road to Emmaus. And I want to bring this up to, to us now, that no matter if you are not a Christian or you are a Christian, we all have road to Emmaus situations in our lives. You may be struggling in many areas where you thought God was going to do something and he didn't do it. Or you thought he wasn't going to do something and he did it. God in your box broke out of it. God in your confines, God in your boundaries and borders, your safe God We sang about his love this morning. Do you know what the Bible also says? He disciplines those he loves. He says he gives us what we need, not just what we want. He's a God who breaks outside of the boxes. He's broad. 
mighty, mighty God. And these guys were disappointed. They were on the road to Emmaus. And some of you, every one of you, will have aspects of your life where you are on that road. You're thinking, God isn't behaving himself. God is not doing the right things here, or he is doing the things he shouldn't be doing. And I'll bring out some obvious areas where these things maybe, maybe touch your, your, your life. So your job and your struggles with the job. We prayed earlier today about uh, those who don't have work. We are in a difficult climate, aren't we? Cutbacks, enormous cutbacks. When you talk about the scale of our deficit as a nation, it is horrendous and enormous and it's going to affect us massively in spending cuts. So your concern for your job or your loss of job or your hope to get a job, God, you know what? You know, I, I, I thought as a Christian I'd never lose my job. I thought I'd always... It doesn't sound loving to me that I'd be out of work. So maybe that's your road to Emmaus. You're struggling in work, struggling out of work. What about your marriage? You go, we had a lovely time yesterday with Paul and Alison. Married up here. Okay, I keep have to remember they're now Paul and Alison Jempson. And uh, great seeing... Uh, I mean, were you here yesterday? Any of you? Wasn't she stunning? What a beautiful woman. I said to him yesterday, I said, you're like the cat that's got the cream. You know? It was a lovely wedding. It was a great time. And um, that's good. That's wonderful. One of the things in my talk, I said, I said to them, as I was, I was speaking to them, about um, li- living a, a life of love, was loving even when the romantic feelings begin to diminish. Because it's, it's the covenant you've made that you've got, you work into it. You work into that covenant. And that then fuels the flame of passion again. And uh, our marriages can be struggling. They do struggle at times, don't they? They're like cycles. Sometimes, (laughs) some of you are going, Amen under your breath. Amen. One of you said, Yeah, Amen. Come see me later, we'll pray with you. (laughs) No, they are. Every relationship has its ups and downs, doesn't it? Marriage, children, our families, our teenage children, our young children, our children that shouldn't be behaving like teenagers, but they are, even though they're only very small. And being bossed around by your little children, you should, I'm in authority around here, you should do what you're told. And nobody's listening to you at all. (laughs) You're going to school, you've got ten minutes to be ready at at the breakfast table. Ten minutes later, where is everyone? And they're fighting over, you know, whose dressing gown is whose, and nobody's dressed. Struggles, but seriously, challenges in our families, our marriages, pain. Why isn't God behaving as we would have hoped? This is the road to Emmaus. Your future, where's your future going? Your health. Some of you live with illness and illness can define you. What, if you're not, if, if you, it can be a reality. Again, in this book, The Reason for God, he talked about how Tim Keller, who, who wrote the book, one day had the name cancer written over him. 
or written, spoken over him. He went to the, the doctors and how that clarified his thoughts. It made him think very seriously about his life. But if you're not careful, suddenly that can be your identity. I am an ill person and I live with worries about my health. Even healthy people can constantly worry about their health, can't they? I'm judging you by my own standards. We consider, oh no, that, that feeling I have, I'm sure, I'm sure that, that's it. That's it, have I, you know? You're jealous of others. It's your road to Emmaus. You'd love to have or to be what they are. You hate yourself sometimes. In your heart of hearts. I don't like the way I look, the way I speak, the way I am. I don't like my gifts. That's your road to Emmaus. And all of these things can cause us to be disillusioned, disappointed with God. Walking down that road, sad, downcast. If you were God's agent, you feel you could do a far better job on his image than he's doing for himself. So in some measure, all of us are on the road to Emmaus. Some of us, all of us in some measure, are on, is on that road. What's at the end of the road to Emmaus? Where does it go? It's a road of disillusionment and disappointment. Where does it end? What's its destination? Well, for Christians, the, the seed of disappointment can grow and grow and bear fruit. We prayed for that person who was sick and they didn't get well. Now, the Bible talks about Jesus healing people. The Bible talks about gifts of healing. The Bible talks about faith and healing. What about giving, money? You gave generously. You believed that, I believed that God would um, leave me in no lack, yet suddenly, at the moment, suddenly, you know, you've got, a, you've got bills coming in. Those seeds of disappointment. You thought something was going to happen. You, you, you stepped out in faith. Sometimes it comes good. I mean, I heard a great um, story earlier, um, one of the guys in the, in the congregation here, who gave up his job to go for an interview, believing that God would open it up. And he did. Wonderful. And I've done that. I had a wonderful job op opportunity, and I, I, I was walking to the phone to say when I'm coming for the interview and on the way it was like my, my inner man went, hmm, you can't do that. It's like I, I started walking across the, I still remember now, I walked across going, yeah, going to go for the interview and I went, I can't go for the interview. Can't do it. No rhyme nor reason for it. Just God. And at those times you can say, I'm going to... I'm just saying it's just the way I'm feeling today. Had too much coffee. Had too much cheese last night. Um, the milk was slightly off in the tea. It's just me. But no, you know, in your inner man, and it comes good. Wonderful. But sometimes you do those things, and it doesn't seem to work out. Ever been in that situation? Yes? Can I hear you? Can I hear you? Yes, okay. Have you ever done something for God, and it didn't work out? Yes. Have you ever done something for God 
And it's worked out. Okay, good. Both things are true. In the mystery of our relationship with God. Both things are true. And the road to Emmaus, it can sow a seed in our hearts if you're not careful. That tension that we live with of failure and success can sow a seed. So we stop praying for the sick. We stop giving. We become cynical. Oh, we pray. We prayed about stuff like this before. And we need the Bible and God's Word to be our truth to us and not our experience. So, the road to Emmaus can lead you to a place where you no longer trust Jesus fully. No longer trust... You, you live safely, you know. I'm not going to live safe. I'm going to go for the career. I've, I've, got, I've got the trajectory. I know, I know the safe route. I know, I know what to do. The gap year, yeah, not too much. Not too, you know, that, that will help me go to university, yeah, that'll be fine. And I'll go for the, the job that's got the clear steps and it'll take me to here so I can pan it out and I'll be retired at 65. I'll live for Jesus, but I know where I'm going. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying we have to be careful that we uh, live very safe lives because we stop trusting Jesus. Or the worst case scenario to the road to Emmaus, as we say, God is dead. That's what they said. We had hoped he is dead. And that's where we can be. God is dead. We can fall away from coming to church. We can become disillusioned. We can throw it all in. I'm not going to have a theological argument about it. I know people, and so do you, who threw in the towel. They stopped coming to church. They stopped following Jesus. I'm not going to talk about whether they've lost their salvation or anything like that. I'm just going to say the reality is difficulties come to us and there is an opportunity there for for you to not trust God or to go like these guys and say, God is dead. He doesn't exist. It was all a mistake. The problem with with God is dead, it leads on to other things. It doesn't actually solve the problem of the road to Emmaus. If God is dead, there is no purpose. There is no ultimate purpose to anything at all, except what we just choose to to, to call the purpose of mankind. If mankind is evolved, Darwinian, atheistic, godless evolution, if that is true, then there is no purpose purpose whatsoever okay there is no good there is no evil because it was good and evil working together and death and destruction and the pressures of the environment and radiation and whatever else slime got got thrown at our ancestors that caused us to be the great pinnacle of creation that we are so good and evil doesn't exist anymore There's no such thing as morality because God doesn't exist anymore. There is no... And ultimately, if you go down that route, you go to the point where there is no justice for evil anymore. So we have to take justice. Someone hurts you, you hurt them because there is no justice ultimately before God. There's no justice in this world without God. So I'm saying to you, the road to Emmaus has serious consequences, but we've all been affected by disappointments in our lives. And God wants us off of the road to Emmaus. He wants you into a place of joyful faith, living for, with Jesus. I just want to take a moment for you to consider yourself. 
I want you to think at yourself at this moment. Just think, what, what things are there that are really disappointing you? Because sometimes I think it's a bit like, um, it's, it's a bit like a haze sometimes. We're just generally, generally not encouraged. Just generally not encouraged. But actually, God wants you to be specific. What are the things, what is there that's really disappointing you? It's really difficult to deal with. Or just, it doesn't have to be really difficult as well, like the road to Emmaus, guys. It could just be small things that you were hoping God was going to do or wasn't going to do. That's your road to Emmaus. Disappointment, disillusionment, and it has various consequences. But my first, second point, and this is where God wants us this morning, he wants us on the road to Jerusalem. What is the road to Jerusalem? It is the restoration of your faith in Jesus, that he is no liar and no failure, that although he died, he is actually risen. It is an encounter with the truth of his death and resurrection, that he is now in glory. In one sense, nothing had changed. These guys suddenly rushed back to Jerusalem. In one sense, many things hadn't changed. They had the same clothes, the same trainers, the same car, the same house, the same friends. But one big thing had changed and it rocks the world and that is that God is alive. And he is who he says he is. It changes everything. If you think God is alive, and if you think what he says is true, it changes everything. Absolutely everything. And it just, your perspective on difficulties, and they're still difficulties, completely changes. Because God, your Father, is alive. And that is what happened to them. They had an encounter with the risen Jesus. How do we get, then, onto this road to Jerusalem. Firstly, talk to Jesus. It says here that he went up to them and he, and he spoke to them and he said to them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And then they confessed the things that they were struggling with. Talk to Jesus. What are you disappointed about? What are the things that you are struggling with? What is the pavement made of? in this discouragement. Think it. Name it. Talk to him about it. He's big enough to understand and he's big enough to deal with it. He's big enough. Any surgery needs a cut. You've got to get it out. You've got to talk about it. But you may feel this is dishonouring to God to say, I think you really bodged up when you made me like I am. And many people agree with me. And then he might say to you, well, be more specific. What do you mean, bodged up? And then you would probably go a bit lower and you'd, you'd realise that there's stuff in you that needs dealing with. Stuff that God wants to bring out. You, you knew it was there, but it was in a haze, in a bit of a kind of, it was hazy. Now you kind of become cl- cl- clarified about it. He can already hear and he can already see what's in your heart. Speak to him about it. 
You may want to do that with a friend as well. You may want to talk to a friend about it. But the road to Emmaus, what are you downcast about? What are you discussing as you walk along the road? Talk about it with God, your Father. Just want to touch on the idea that obviously I'm talking to you like, like you believe in Jesus. Some of you don't have a faith in Jesus to, to be challenged, but still you are on a road of discouragement. And in the same way, I want to say to you that Jesus wants to come into your life and for, to have a relationship with you and to bring you to a place of encouragement in a place of life and fullness. So maybe you could talk to someone at the end. I'll be talking about the Alpha course later. So firstly, talk to Jesus. Secondly, learn from Jesus. As I said to you earlier, again, I'm rushing over these things. He took them on a Bible study. He taught them about the Old Testament, about how it had to happen this way. And some of us are discouraged because we we don't actually know what the Bible teaches. And some people say things, and I get this regularly, and I'm sure you do as well, if the good God of love can't exist because there's too much suffering. So if a God does exist, he's not the good God of the Bible, he is an evil God of some other book. He can't exist. And, and, And I'm often, and sometimes... We can all be like that. We can ask questions which actually the Bible does deal with. So suffering in the world, Jesus predicted that there would be wars, rumours of wars, pestilence, earthquakes, and that all these things are the birth pains of a new creation that's coming. And this creation that we are in is a passing creation. Many of us want to make heaven on this earth. And heaven will one day be on this earth when Jesus comes again. But we all are in this world which is failing, which is uh, it's called, it's called fallen, it's called sinful. And we can have misunderstandings of what we can expect from this earth. There is pain in, pain in childbirth. There is labour, harsh labour, where you have to work really hard. It's, it's unfruitful. It's not how it was designed to be. In the beginning, when God made the world, it was very good, it says. And now it's not like that. It's a fallen world that is passing away. And we need to learn from Jesus. I could say so much more. But we need to learn from him. Study his word. Bring your issues and struggles to his word. What does his word teach you? I had an issue in my life where... I thought God was going to do something that he didn't do. And uh, I was extremely, and, and for, for, I mean, years, really, I, I was disappointed with this. Uh, it would come round, and I would think, Lord, I thought you were going to do something, and you haven't done it. And, you know, you, 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 then you get to the point, if you're not careful, the road to a man, as I've said to you before, it can sow a seed that no longer can you hear God's voice. You get to the point where I don't think I can hear God's voice anymore. Because I thought I heard it, and I did it, and it hasn't come out. Right. It hasn't come out as I wanted it to, or I thought it was going to. Now, 
something's got to give. And in the end, I've got to learn from God. And I felt what God said to me through it was that it was, this situation was, and the Bible talks a lot about this, testing your heart. I went through this situation and I came out the other side not, and I felt years later as I was praying about it, Lord, what was that all about? I felt God say to me, I was testing your heart to see if you would obey me. And that is a scriptural principle that's throughout. And you may say, but God's sovereign, he already knows my heart. All right? But that's the way he works. And sometimes it's for your benefit sometimes. So you know I would obey God through everything. And, and that for me freed me so I, I am now able to say, I'm, I, okay Lord, I'm still going to believe your voice. And even if I, my predicted outcome isn't what you bring about, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to keep acting in obedience. So learn from Jesus. He took them on a Bible study. You need to go on a Bible study with Jesus. All right? There's so much more I could say, but I won't. And finally, so learn, talk to Jesus, get on the road to Jerusalem, talk to him about your problems, learn from Jesus, and finally, burn for Jesus. It says, did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke to us on the road? And later on, in the same chapter, in verse 40, he has another resurrection appearance. These guys go back to Jerusalem. He's taught, they're talking. Oh, Jesus appeared to us. And he's appeared to Peter. Isn't this amazing? And suddenly he turns up and he gives them another Bible study about how he had to suffer and takes them through the Old Testament. It's interesting. Jesus likes teaching the Bible. And this is what he says. This is what Jesus says on this second appearance. He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what was written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead and on the third day, for, on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning with, with Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And he says this, I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So he's going to give them who? The Holy Spirit. We have to, as it says here, their hearts burned within them as Jesus spoke to them and met them. The resurrected Jesus comes and affects our hearts even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances, when we meet the resurrected Jesus, our hearts catch on fire. What do I mean by my heart catches on fire? You're human, you know what I mean. We are resurrected. We, we have something alive in us that was dead before. And it's linked here with the Holy Spirit. There's the promise of the person of the Holy Spirit. So if you're going to live, you're going to get off the road to Emmaus of suffering, disillusionment and discouragement, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The resurrected Jesus pours out his life into you, not just when you become a Christian, but as Ephesians says, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, sing, Make music over each other. Pray for each other. Encourage each other. 
Let your discussions on the road not be like these guys, we had hoped. Let our discussions on the road as we encourage each other be Jesus. He's risen. Let me pray with you. Let me prophesy over you. Let me encourage you. Let me be a brother to you. So we need to burn for Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit. So what I am saying is this. Your return off the road to Emmaus, discouragement, and onto the road to Jerusalem is an encounter with Jesus. That's what you need. I'll put it in a nutshell. You need to meet Jesus. You need to meet him. And some of you just need to recognise him. Some of you are recognising him for the first time this morning. You're saying, I believe, I actually, you know what? I want to join in. I, I believe. It's, my eyes have been hidden. My, 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 I've been veiled. But now I want to believe in Jesus. There's so much more I could say, but you need to meet Jesus. I was wondering if, Teresa, you could just come up for a moment. Teresa's going to sing us a song. Um. (laughs) I thought you were. She's working. Good. Just hold that. So, (laughs) I asked Teresa to come up this morning because there is there's there's a constant there's a constant moving from the road to Emmaus to the road to Jerusalem. There's a constant moving. It's you do it for the first time. God is dead, I'm ste- but then you move and you say, yes, I believe he's risen. I've become a Christian. But you do it all the time. Every, every incident that comes along, you have a choice to go down the road of discouragement and God is dead. Or you have the choice to move across and say, he's risen, he's alive, and here's who he says he is, and it's true. But I want, to talk to, I want Teresa just to talk to us, particularly for those maybe here for the first time or who are visitors or, or don't know Christ. Talk about that, st- that first stepping from not knowing Jesus, to knowing him. And just tell us a few words. I mean, what was your life like before you were a Christian? And say a few words about that. Um, Not knowing Jesus was um, always constantly feeling lonely and not part of anything, really. I I was brought up with my mum and dad and my brother and sister, but I never really felt part of the family. I remember really from a young age thinking that perhaps they'd just found me somewhere Um, (laughs) because I I didn't feel that I belonged with them at all. I was desperately lonely and um, depressed at times through my life. And I used to look for hope in other things, in relationships and horoscopes, always in the hope that my life would improve. It would get better once I had a family and had children. They'd love me. Then I'd feel like I belonged. So it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a nice place to be. Okay. And so that's where you were. And, and there's a bridge across, obviously. How did you get involved in coming to church or...? I um, was working alongside Steve Barnes and he very openly talks about his faith. So I, um, I kind of started getting a bit twitchy because he'd talk about these big sort of issues and problems within family life and then he'd say, oh, we've prayed about it and we've come to peace about that decision. So now, and I'd just be like, what? <laughs> what? So I, I um, it, yeah, I just started getting a bit twitchy and there was about a year, I suppose, where I was very interested in asking questions. But at that time, I think I actually thought I was already a Christian. I was a good person, mm. and um, 
I, I'd been to a Christmas service. <laughs> I'd been to an Easter service. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was good. Well, I thought I was a Christian, actually. Good. So, you learnt that you weren't a Christian. And, 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 and what, you know, what did you learn and what, what did you then do? Well, Steve um, invited me to an Alpha course. Yeah, and that's, that's what kind of changed everything, really, because um, I learnt that I wasn't a Christian to start with, which is a bit of a shock because I thought I was good. And then what I really learnt was what Jesus dying on the cross meant for me. Not for anybody else, but for me. That it was, yeah, that it it kind of, it, 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 yeah, it was just about me and not not about doing good things or anything else. It was about who I am. And um, I learnt, I I heard the gospel and I heard the truth. I actually responded on, on a Sunday morning and what I learnt, that, that there were sort of, I know now that they weren't coincidences, but I thought there were lots of coincidences in that year leading up to that point. But what I learnt was how to kind of answer the phone to God. What I'd realised is there'd been this ringing for about a year or so. The phone had been ringing, but what I learnt was how to answer the phone and hear God and have God in my life and accept the truth for me and, and believe it for me. And that's what I learnt throughout that, the Alpha course. Brilliant. Should encourage people to do the Alpha course? Absolutely, definitely. Yeah. And I would encourage you to invite people as well because <laughs> there are people sitting over there that did the last Alpha course who are going to be bringing people to the next Alpha course. It's fantastic. And even if you don't see somebody respond on the course, you know that they will have heard the truth in the course over those six weeks. They will have heard the gospel. They will have heard the truth. They might not resp- respond straight away, <laughs> but they've heard it. It might be years later that they walk into a church and they respond, but they will have heard the truth and you'll have a piece then that they've heard it as well and you can move on to your next friend or family member. So, yeah, Great. bring somebody and it's, it's such a privilege to see people changing as they do the Alpha course. I've seen lots of friends and family go through it now and you see them changing from week one to the end. They're, they're different. They've heard the truth. Thank you, Teresa. going to stop there. Um, I think you get the, the point that uh, there is a, there are two, two options, the road of disappointment, disillusionment, the road to Emmaus, or there's the road walking with Christ. He wants to come alongside you, he wants to encourage you. I want to pray over you now that Jesus would just fill you again with his spirit, touch you again, and maybe at home, take up that that, that sort of encouragement to be honest with him. Maybe read through that story. And just think, look at the way he comes alongside and he wants you to be honest with him and how he wants to teach you through his word and get you on that road. Father, I want to thank you. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you come alongside us even when we are doubting and struggling. And you want to to draw us into a place of joy and certainty. And I pray for my brothers and sisters and friends here this morning that Holy Spirit, you would guide them into a deep knowledge, a certain knowledge of your love and reality. 
I pray these things in Jesus' name. And I pray for those also, Lord, we don't just want to live like, but actually, those prayers that have been prayed over years, I pray for you to bring them to pass in Jesus' name. Lord, even as, though, even as we walk uh, in joy, and we have those things that we are thinking, God, would you break through? I pray for breakthrough, Lord, in health, I pray for breakthrough in family. I pray for breakthrough in those who are wandering away that we want to see come back. I pray for breakthrough, Lord, where you've made promises we feel in our hearts. I ask you for breakthrough. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you are thinking of doing the, or want to know more about the Alpha Course, don't leave without talking to someone. There are... Mr. Stephen Becky. Stand up. You're going to stand there, aren't you? If you'd like to talk to someone about the Alpha Course, then Steve and Becky, who are standing there now, are going to stand over here. They are very friendly. (laughs) We've also got a table out there with some quality streets and chocolates on there, just to encourage you. It's not for all of you. (laughs) If you want to go and talk again again, ask questions about Alpha... Dave and Claire, Claire was singing here, under the Alpha banner by the, by the welcome area, you can talk to someone or sign up for Alpha this morning. We'd love to have as many as possible there. Thank you very much.